And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. The men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Uh, that we uh, need to expose them publicly and make sure that our, our uh, elected officials never take any grants from them ever again. So I wanted to piggyback on it that way. Well, and um, you, you're right. And, and the thing is, we, we are going, it's going to take decades to expose the level of corruption that's built into the system. Uh, and Americans are notoriously uh, impatient. They are notoriously looking for fixes that'll take 10 minutes or, uh, you know, possibly if you get in a, a, a long-term scenario, they might consider long-term a month. Uh, you know, Americans <laughs> have been conditioned to sound bites. They have been conditioned to think that uh, instant gratification is the secret to all life on Earth. And the fact is, uh, the patient communists and Marxists that have taken over our system and destroyed our culture uh, have taken 150 years to do that. And uh, it's not going to happen overnight that we're going we're gonna to be able to root out all this evil. But the one thing that we have uh, very strongly in our favor and that is we have uh, God and, and Jesus Christ on our side in this thing, and we know how the story ultimately ends, but we need to get back to the faith and the Ten Commandments that are at the heart of our whole constitutional system of Republican government. That is the difference between the United States and every other country in the world is that we have a concept called unalienable rights, and that is rights given to us by God that government cannot take away or they can't, they can't uh, dispense them at their will. This is something that we need to get back to. Yes, sir, I, I do agree. And one of the things I, when I do speak a little bit publicly still, I tell people that uh, actually revival is one of our greatest tools. And I, I really believe that. But it's actually a lot simpler to root out this corruption. I don't mean to get rid of it all, but to expose it to the public. It's uh, thanks to some wonderful researchers in Minnesota and others. And Tom DeWeese, it's very, very easy to show these people from their own websites 
how they, what they plan to do, their intent, what they plan to do in your community. That's simple. That doesn't take hardly any time at all to show that. And it also doesn't take a lot of time to say, uh, we will not accept any more grants from these people. So there's a simple part to it. I'm not going to say it's going to cure everything. Revival is going to make a big difference. But we, we are, my goal is to get this information out as much as possible to show the people who the monsters are in their, in your, in their community. So if it's okay, I'm going to jump right in. I'd like to tell you what I found in Montana, and I'll make it, yep. I'll make it real short. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So basically, this is the same everywhere throughout the country. It's more advanced in Minnesota than most places, but the same groups that are doing this to Minnesota are also heavily involved in uh, Montana. And Tom DeWeese is responsible for originally showing us what they were doing at the national level and some of their earlier work that they did. But so real quick here. Every city in the country of any size over about 5,000 has a league of cities. Um, and uh, I think in Minnesota, they have a, um, a statewide group called Minnesota League of Cities. And I'm not convinced that they're bad or good either way. But many cities like Bozeman have specifically linked themselves to this national league of cities. Um, I think a good primer for everybody would get a hold to get a hold of the book Sustainable by Tom DeWeese because it explains who these groups are. And I have to and I have to mention this League of Cities I'm talking about. They and the American Planning Association back in about 05 uh, went to before the Supreme Court and successfully lobbied the vast expansion of eminent domain. Uh, at the time, 46 states stood up and said, we're not going to do this, including Minnesota. But it is now the law of the land. And if you saw what just recently happened in the Dakotas with those uh, carbon pipelines, uh, they were actually allowing public entities, pu uh, public enterprise corporations to go in and do the eminent domain themselves. If that's not unconstitutional and scary, I don't know what it is. Uh, we were, they were lucky in the Dakotas because they had some good legislators, even though the North, the North Dakota governor is worthless, but their, but their, uh, their legislature overrode him and shut it down. But this eminent domain is very important because everything that these NGOs lead you to, whether it's trails, whether it's convention centers, whether it's transportation systems, you can go on and on. They plan on using eminent domain to make it work. And yeah. so I yeah. wanted to make sure people understand that. So in your cities, all of your cities, it's League of Cities. Look for these guys. Do not take their money. Do refuse to work with them. Uh, before I go on, you got, any, you got any thoughts on that, Dan? Well, I, all I say to that, uh, too, um, Greg, is that uh, ICLE and League of Cities are very, very closely tied together. Uh, the American Planning Association, and I'm going to give a little history on this, but the American Planning Association was actually founded in the late 50s, and uh, it was completely funded by the Rockefeller Brothers Trust uh, to start the organization called the American Planning Association. And Ro Rockefellers openly stated that it was time for the United States to get on a planning program that uh, very closely resembled that of the Soviet Union. 
that is uh, that that's part of the history, and I believe that was 1957. Um, so anyway, I'm I, I'm digressing a little bit, but I wanted to build a little background to what you were saying. I thank you. I appreciate that. And actually, that's the next group that I was going to mention because I'm going to tell you who your American Planning Association is in Montana. And, and actually, it's very easy to find now in any state. You simply Google uh, regional planners in your state, whatever that state is. You, you can tell by their language. I'm not saying all planners out there are bad, but these regional planners, if you read their website, they, of course, discuss all the crazy equity and inclusion and all that, like all the UN groups do. But in Minnesota, in Montana, your group is called um, Montana Association of Planners. And they proudly admit on their website that they are directly connected with this American Planning Association. So those are the boys in your county. They show up in your county and they write your comprehensive plans or they hire somebody else to do it. More and more as they get exposed, they're hiring other groups, particularly engineering firms to write these comprehensive plans for your community. But funny thing is they're all identical. I mean, where you go in the country, they tell you you're public wrote it, but they tend to be identical to New York City and Florida, even London. Um, but I, I won't go off into that. I wanted you people in Montana and others to know this is the guys that are running your county for the most part, your American Planning Association, your regional planner. So that's number two. Anything you want to say before I get to the third one? No, I, I go ahead and um, let, let's uh, get into the meat. I'm, okay. I'm hearing a very uh, strange audio feedback. Yeah, I am too, and I'm not sure why, why we're having that problem. But, uh, Greg, you might want to, uh, do you have uh, another computer or something in the background running? No, sir. Okay. I, that would be the only thing I could think of. Uh, Thumper, do you have any ideas? I have a TV upstairs. Can you hear that? No, no, not at all. I, something okay. is giving us feedback, and I'm not sure why we're we're having that. But maybe it's because of the subject we're talking about. Uh, well, yeah. when we when we do zooms at, at uh, <laughs> tactical civics, we usually have everyone mute themselves unless they're speaking. Yeah. And yeah, that, that helps that, with the feedback. That would probably be the best uh, thing to do there because uh, somebody is probably listening through a set of speakers. And if you've got a headset or headphones or earbuds or something like that, that usually solves the problem because it is an audio feedback from somebody's speakers. It's clean now. All that stopped. So whatever that was, it quit. But I'm going to continue on real quick if that's all right. Sure. Can you still hear me? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. okay, number three is the schools. And all your schools are quite a few your schools are infected by the same cancer. In Minnesota, the guys are called Sourcewell. And for a short time, I was tracking them here with Dan because they were very active in Minnesota. I mean, I mean Montana, I'm sorry. You, you'll have a hard time finding them now if you try to search the web. But a couple of years ago, you could pretty easily, we traced them to Bozeman to a really bad green program that they have at the U there. Um, we traced them to a, a place in Glendive. But the interesting, the one in Glendive, I think it was Glendive, they stated right on their website there, 
they plan to bring school programs to Montana. Well, now we see the results of that. Uh, and I can't prove that they brought them, but they stated that that's what they were going to do. At the time, they had access to your, uh, to your state government through the procurement program. And I won't go into a lot of detail. It's just that SourceWell helps people buy goods cheaper and so forth. That's one of their ways that they get into your community besides grants. But anyhow, so uh, moving along here. So this source well, you're going to still see them in some of the other states if you go to Google. And these guys are really, really bad guys. Not only that, but they're they're part, they're, they're a Minnesota department, a state Minnesota department. And how you, if you will let them go into your state and compete with your private enterprise, when they're, you know how bad Minnesota is, everybody's heard how bad Minnesota is. They're part of the Minnesota government. They're part, they're, their employees are, are Minnesota state employees. That's a critical fact. So don't ever work with this source well in any way, shape or form. But anyhow, so in your state, uh, the uh, Minnesota, uh, let's see the Montana, going back and forth, I apologize, but the Montana uh, Education Department, if you look that up, they're the ones now, it appears, that are bringing you these cell programs and all these other UN things that you were discussing Sunday on that previous broadcast. So it appears to be coming through them, your Minnesota, your Montana Department of Education. Yeah, it's, it's called the OPI, uh, uh, Greg. It's uh, Office of Public Instruction, and uh, you're absolutely right. And the young, the the lady who oh. is. The head of that, uh, I've always considered her quite a good conservative, uh, but obviously that's not the case. Yeah, a lot of these people get sucked into the stuff. They don't even read all the all the uh, information out there. We've known people like that in uh, in Minnesota, but uh, so anyhow, and I don't know if that if your Department of Education or OPI are connected to Sourcewell. It doesn't matter. You simply read their language. It's very easy to recognize these guys' work because their whole thing is about equity, inclusion, and they're offering you tons of grants all the time that you obviously can't afford. Um, so um, over time, all these I have to go into grants real quick because this is their main tool that, that woos particularly your Republicans. Remember, it's the Republicans who brought into us the public-private partnerships. And that's what these are, uh, basically, non-elected uh, officials of corporations, basically, uh, that who are now running all the cities just about in Minnesota. And you are not very, very far behind, because I understand from talking to you, Dan, that they've accepted a lot of these grants over the years. And so you were, you were in very much danger, too. You obviously have a lot of barriers here that we do not in Minnesota, you, you have some good conservative barriers. It's gonna be harder to take over. Uh, you can literally do it at the county level, but I'll, I don't wanna get off track here. Anyhow, let me, let me quickly say something about these grants. These grants allow your communities to overspend, dramatically overspend in some cases, the things that they could never have afforded before, kind of like the credit card. You can now live way beyond your means. But now we are starting to see in Minnesota where many of these projects they bring in are now bankrupting convention centers, transportation systems. Then they have to go in and ask for more money 
from the taxpayer or they or and or they offer you a new grant to facilitate it to keep going but you know you don't need more connections to these boys you need fewer so this is the the big thing with grants tell your elected officials to stop taking these grants and if it's possible pay back the ones you got and get out of it because everything every single one of these groups and their friends with this language are going to be leading you directly into the agenda 21 the 15-minute community. Have, have you heard of that before, Dan, the 15-minute city? Oh, yeah. We've done whole programs on it. And, uh, in fact, Bozeman is one of the 15-minute cities that have been uh, planned for the state of Montana. There's quite a few of these programs. Now, Greg, let's talk about how you're working with local governments to identify the things that are dragging us into this mess and how you and Rick are working on programs to try to uh, expose all this stuff to the local communities you're working with. And then we'll bring uh, David uh, Zuniga into the uh, discussion with us. Okay, sure. I was, gonna move, I was getting ready to move into that. Uh, I probably carried it out longer than I intended. But anyhow, we're, we're, again, you're in a little different shape. You can literally take back you can stop this by declaring constitutional counties. And we have examples on our website uh, of counties all over the country who have done just that. And they basically said, you will not bring your unlawful, unconstitutional programs in here. And that includes schools. Please go to our website, uh, saveyourcities.com. And right on the main page, we have a big thing on common law with Rick's work and, and everything else there. Uh, but... Um, so here again, here in there in uh, Montana, you can declare constitutional counties. And I think you probably get some help from Sheriff Mack on that. Um, so we've been, we've been begging people, especially in Minnesota where our schools and everything are just in very bad shape. We're saying create sanctuaries now, please don't wait. This is something you have, no matter, you need a plan B from all the great activism that's going on right now, you need a permanent backup. And that's the constitution, the way our founders uh, set it up. And so, so we're telling people in Minnesota that your county's already gone. Your sheriffs are already bought out for the most part. They're already, uh, they, in Minnesota, they passed a law in the seventies that said, your sheriffs will no longer be beholden to the constitution of the United States. They're now fully beholden to the Minnesota legislature, which is fully communist. You know, it's, it's a bad one. So we may not be able to reach our sheriffs as well. Some are on the fence. Some will probably come if the citizens back them. The citizens can do that uh, by forming constitutional townships. Now, you guys, I don't think have, have a township government there, but you have municipal government. And right. you can start your smaller conservative community saying, we hereby declare ourselves a sanctuary from this, that, and the other. Again, I urge you to look at our website. I think we have about five examples of uh, counties all over the country, including liberal Illinois. Liberal Illinois just did one within the last year or so. And I can't remember what their, if it was the Second Amendment issue, I can't recall, or if it was the COVID issue to protect their businesses. That might have been the one it was. But, but uh, one county in Illinois said, we're just not going to accept any of it, period. And 80 sheriffs 
stood up and said, yes, we will back what these guys are doing. That's liberal Illinois. Mm-hmm. So you need to start, you need to get your people to understand that they need to immediately begin to create sanctuaries. And we even have a step-by-step process on our website of how you can do that. It's not perfect. It's the best we can come up with. You can come up with your own. You can talk to some of these other counties because they're fairly easy to reach, you know, from their websites. Talk to them. Talk to Sheriff Mack. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you we have all the answers, but we're certainly trying to give you a starting point, which apparently nobody, we're not seeing any others, uh, you know, out there. So please actually, take a look at the website. Yeah, yes, actually, uh, that's why I brought everybody that's on this call together, because uh, obviously <clears throat> Tactical Civics has been, uh, they've got over 60,000 hours of research into their program, and it may uh, be a very, very good fit with what you're trying to do, Greg. But I want to give uh, Rick an opportunity to uh, introduce himself and talk about uh, what was, uh, you know, what was in your mind when you got together with Greg and started working on these programs. Well, I would, I had been a little over a year and a half holding meetings at my bait shop that I'd closed up here north of Hutchison, Minnesota. History was my subject of salesmen traveling all over the place for food ingredient producing was my livelihood. But I've always had a strong World War II veteran behind me, a history teacher, my father and uncles. And I firmly believe that we need to start with the very first thing that we need to do when we get control of this local level. We need to put the Ten Commandments back on the courthouse lawn and back in the schoolhouse wall. When I walked into my little school of 100 people, the Ten Commandments hung at the at the front of the wall. Nobody ever stopped and re- told you you got to read them, or, or, but they were there, and you knew they were there. Every school function we had had one of the ministers, either from the Methodist, the German Lutheran, uh, the the Finnish Lutheran, the Catholic, whatever. That was part of it. It was, and the that that was not government dictating religion that was religion helping to make the governmental level of education what it was back then so i got into this and i started researching and got back into the constitution ended up in touch with a guy by the name of ron gibson out in bend oregon who's provided me with a wealth of law library research on the 1803 treaty which applies to this on the 1992 uh, supreme court ruling uh, that scalia has written about uh, the grand the grand jury belongs to the fourth branch of government. We the people. The grand jury is the only jury that's in the Bill of Rights, and it's an intrinsic part of the Constitution, and it can't be removed. People don't understand that. You're right. That grand jury is the most powerful entity of we the people in the whole system that we have today. The Supreme Court will not knowingly step on top of that grand jury because they know that it's constitutional based on the way the township is structured is the proper structure. And the grand jury is the only one that can flat foot down and say they have a domain. No. All of these unelected agencies in our government, once you get your township back to a constable, a JP, you have you can put in in a managing 
uh, panel. I like to call it the militia panel because the Constitution gives you the right for a well-organized, well-maintained militia. It doesn't have to be 500 guys with AK-47s. But that gives you the method to ask the JP to enact a common law grand jury. That common law grand jury can subpoena anybody at any level throughout any level of the corporate court system and the government that they want. They can also have the right to put that person in front of a militia tribunal. Now, friend, that's mm -hmm. what you call a hammer. One or two guys in front of that militia tribunal and military rules, and it's a rope or a firing squad, you're going to see a whole big change in Washington. You're not going to go up there and knock it down and change it, but you can change it right here from the grassroots, and it'll only take a few. Out of 16,000 townships, if you can get four or 5,000 of them, and I think we can eventually, to put in their common law grand jury, they got to first elect the constable, they have to first next elect the JP. If they can't afford it individually, four or five of them can go together. That's what has to be done. Because the people have to know that their voice is not lost. The sheriffs have lost our voice in many cases. That's because, like in Minnesota, we got a whole raft of state laws that if you challenge them constitutionally, they'd flush. They couldn't stand it. And that's what Jeannie Hall pointed out when she was, uh, when she, when she was busy here trying to change, trade, change sheriffs. The, our state laws have got rid of the constables. They got rid of any involvement that they could eliminate at the grassroots level of the everyday citizen. And that's where we're in a weak, weak situation. Our schools, it can be fixed. You know how you fix it? The, the common law grand jury in every township can just fix it. Boom. They can fix it so fast it's made. They can control the mineral rights. That means gas and oil. The EPA can get the H out at that point in time. They can control and put tariffs on things coming into their township that they don't want, all of the sex books that they don't want. That's all given to them in the 1803 treaty. And to, to, to ignore the treaty the way everybody does that's looking at this is a foolhardy mistake. That 1803 treaty, and it gets complicated, but the simplicity of it is, it granted every citizen, whether they were American Indian, whether they were black, whether they were white, it granted every citizen the, the right to the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and the Constitution, the Constitution as it was in 1803, not once they made an illegal change thinking they would fool everybody in 1871. Did the Senate ratify it? Yes. Did they go back to the people that signed the original 1803 treaty, the Vatican and the Catholic Crown France and the United States government get together and agree to that? No. That's an Achilles heel because if I were a lefty and I wanted to put a stop to all this, I'd be the first man on the door at The Hague asking for the mediation of international treaty and I would demolish the whole thing. They would wipe out our 1871 changes you talk about taking this country over, we're sitting right there and the door is open. And you, if you don't recognize how far back this communist role goes, if you are not aware of the Administration Procedure Act of 1946, then you are ill-informed, period. This has gone on and gone on for a long time. And these people are not going to lay down because Donald Trump gets elected if he does. They're not going to allow it to happen without a fight. They already know what they're going to do next year. The problem with all of us conservatives are we're reacting with the same kind of things that we always have to fight it.
let's have a rally in St. Paul and we'll get down there and wave our flags and scream and the and the the liberals are all over in the bar drinking a shot of vodka saying it's all a piece of work as there is when it comes to the law and the Justice Department, the EPA, all of these people are just so blatantly, blatantly illegal in the power that they have attained because they're not elected. They, they, their rights come from corporate policy, not from God. They're worthless. And we have to get tough. And I'm a little bit of a different talker than most guys. I don't believe in being nice to people. I'm going to tell you something. When God shows you evil, get up off what you're sitting on and understand he wants you to get rid of it. He doesn't want you to incorporate it into your community. He doesn't want you to live next to Satan with his church there and your church there. Satan can't do that. Satan's got to take over. If you don't understand Satan like our government does it today, you're going to get gobbled up. Well, and, and uh, Rick, I will add to that. If you don't understand that Marx was a Satanist, then you don't understand the history of Marxism. I well, I want to I want to bring David into this because uh, David, you've uh, you've now heard these two gentlemen talking about uh, the movement that they're involved in in uh, Minnesota. Uh, you, you're in a national program right now. I believe you're in 600 uh, municipalities or uh, localities with your uh, tactical civics program. Uh, this wrinkle of the 1803 treaty, this is something that a lot of people uh, are just learning about, just hearing about. Rick brought that up to me yesterday, and uh, I, I was amazed because it's an area that I knew in general, but I didn't know a lot of the specifics about it. And I just like, you, you've written so many books on the subject. Uh, I'd like your input on everything you've heard so far. Well, I would like to be nice. Uh, I, unlike Rick, <laughs> God bless you, brother. Uh, <laughs> I, I take a different tack. I show you what I have found and what I've written and what we've done. We've, with 46 other people, over the past 16 years, uh, our team has invested over 81,000 hours so far. We have 1,054 county chapters started, uh, all 50 states of tactical civics. We've done a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of people who believe a lot of the things that Rick has been talking about. I very, uh, generally call them esoteric law theories because esoteric just means something that is only known by a few. Uh, you have to have special knowledge to know it. Most people don't know it. it. It may be true or false, but it's whether it's true or false, very few people know it. So that's called esoterica or whatever, an, an esoteric thing. So I, I put all of those theories, and there are many of them, many more than what Rick has just talked about. Uh, they're out there, they're all over the internet, and what we have done is we have looked at a lot of those. I had a real good friend, Dennis Barnes, 30 years ago, who started talking about all of those things from gold-fringed flags to uh, uh, names in all capitals to the Vatican to all these things, and, and I spent years 
and years at tracking stuff down and finally decided uh, when I came back to this, I was a, a land developer. I was a commercial contractor. I was a home builder. I was an architectural engineer designing buildings and their systems for 30 years. I was a missionary pilot. I taught scuba. I founded K-12 classical Christian schools in three states. Uh, you know, I did a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm a much older guy than that picture there. I had given you a, a, a newer picture, Dan, that where I'm all gray, you know, I look like Greg. Greg and I could be cousins. Uh, you know, my beard is my beard is much fuller and, and whiter. So anyway, uh, but like I say, we've spent a lot of time uh, digging. And so I've written 15 books. Three of them you show on the uh, on the the ad that you sent out this morning. Very good, by the way. Thank you very much. And uh, one of those is the general book. It covers our mission in its entirety. It's called the Great We Set. How you can enjoy how you can join Americans taking America back one county at a time, and enforcing the Constitution at last. And so tens of thousands of people across the country now are doing that. We hold about seventy seminars every month. Uh, all over the country, uh, and we are teaching civics, and we are teaching history, and we're, you know, just basic stuff that we all should learn in school, but we didn't. And so I have a second book called Grand Jury Awake. It's the green book that you show on the ad. Uh, it's a tactical civics primer on grand jury. It goes through all 50 states, covers the basic uh, issues of, of uh uh, what's required by each state and all of that. Um, and so grand jury awake. And then what we did, we found a, the only extant complete history of the grand jury in the United States, 1634 through 1941, uh, over 300 years of grand jury history is called the people's panel. It had gone out of print and we had it reprinted. So, this is a new tactical civics reprint. You can get it at Amazon. It's called The People's Panel. Fascinating book. Fascinating. So, uh, and then we, the third book of the major books that we have uh, that, we, that we push uh, is called Time to Start Over America. And that's um, Introducing American Militia 2.0, which is restoring, restoring Our Founding Fathers Law Enforcement, Riot and Border Control, and Social Glue. So when you take... As Rick was saying, uh, when you when you get the grand jury and the militia, and you and you uh, uh, put them together, you get them to operate together, uh, and uh, it, it's a it's a fascinating thing. We the people have all the power that we need right now to take this entire republic back, but we have to do it on a county by county basis, and we have to do it with one plan. Everybody has to know what they're doing. They have to be able to answer when the cameras get in your face. You can't just rattle things off that you don't know what you're talking about. So we're training people. We're training them in civics. We're training them in tactics and in strategy. We're not doing anything until we're ready. So we have four, uh, we have four steps, four, four uh, uh, phases. The first phase is we build up to one half of 1% of the population of the county, and and uh, that's not. It doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking law enforcement, that's a lot of people. So one half of one percent. Uh, that's our first step. While we're building our numbers like that, 
We're trying to reach all 3,141 counties or county equivalents and half of 1% in, in all of that uh, area. So we'd end up with something like 1.7 million people. Um, the second step, the second phase is getting our grand jury ordinance and militia ordinance passed, forced through if we have to, in all of the, the counties. In some states, the, the uh, state statutes on grand jury are extremely restrictive. They're written by lawyers. They're written by judges. Uh, the legislators have been have been uh, woodshedded by the legal industry, and so it's basically it's either a rubber stamp or it doesn't exist. The grand jury is is killed by the legislature. So we in in Grand Jury Awake in my little green book, I teach you how to go back to your statutes, how to go back to your even to your state constitution if you have to rescind an existing. Uh, yeah. uh, amendment that's been made to your constitution or you have to add one or whatever so we just work it's just the groundwork it's the chores that americans have to start doing to take back our republic to take back our rule of law so uh i've i've done things like i've been in a law-abiding non-taxpayer for 29 years almost 30 years in april it'll be 30 years i have a little book called a tax honesty primer and I list 14 IRS operatives all up and down the line that I have had to deal with uh, who have challenged me over the, these past 29 years. Well, actually, over the first 10 years, uh, they challenged me 14 times. I name all of them. I give their offices and their names in the little book. And I, and I prove, you know, all 14 times, all I did was tell the truth, obey the law, and force them to do the same. They had to tell the truth and obey the law or they pound sand because I wasn't going to play their game. And all 14 times they pounded sand. And so they, for the past almost 20 years, they've, I haven't heard from them. So they gave up on me because they knew that, number one, I read the entire tax code, 9,900, I forget what pages, when I read the first one, marked it up, found all the areas, that, you know. So I haven't paid anything and haven't, uh, uh, helped support the monster for the past almost 30 years now. The other thing, my family, we're in the second generation of homeschooling. And so when we hear about all the horrible things happening in schools, it's like we're listening to stories from another country because mm -hmm. all of our friends are homeschoolers. We've been homeschooling for almost 30 years now. So we, we've got all these, you know, there are two different tracks that you can run on. You can be free or you can stay you know, so I don't pay anything because I don't have to. And when IRS attacked me and said, no, 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 you have to pay. And now you owe 122,740. Oh, whoa, 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 big guy. You show me law or you pound sand. How's that? And I kept doing that and doing that and doing that. And I finally ended up with a whole book, a tax honesty <laughs> primer. It's a little book, but it's full of the tax code and the CFRs, and Sutherland's Rules for Statutory Construction, and actual federal tax cases, and, you know, just facts. And I just lay it out, and I say, here's how I beat them four time to, 14 times out of 14. If you want to try it, it's up to you. I'm not telling you what to do, but you don't have to continue to support this monster. You don't mm -hmm. have to. It's not required of you. So once <laughs> I did that, and, one, and we started home church, you know, uh, being a part of a home church at the same time, this has been almost 30 years now, 
Uh, and it's, it's fascinating. When you just walk away from all the crap and you say, you know what, I've had enough of that. This is all nonsense. I don't want to listen to a pastor yammering on about nothing every Sunday and not ever doing anything. You know, let's start a house church. So, you know, we've, we've done all of these things. We walked away from the tax thing. We walked away from, I mean, lawfully, lawfully. Mm -hmm. And we walked away from the schools. And so there is, in America, you still can be as free as you would like to be. It's not fun at first. It's scary at first, all of that. But it's available to us. Mm -hmm. So what we show you with tactical civics is, look, there's a lot more than that available to us. In every community, if you're willing to push through what California already has in 27 counties, and that's a, a grand jury. You, you put a grand jury page on the county's website. You force them to do what these 27 California counties have done. You put a, a page on there that says, number one, if you want to serve on a grand jury, uh, sign up here. So that's one thing. People should be able to, you know, a lot of people are, are they don't have anything to do all day long. They've been retired for years. They love things like law and all of that, but there's, there's no, you know, they never get called for grand jury service. Well, you shouldn't need to do that. You should be able to sign up if you want to serve. So that's one thing that California does. The other, and again, California Grand Jury Association, we do not agree with everything they do. They've essentially turned grand juries into, I guess you'd call them, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, efficiency review boards or something, because they're not doing felony cases. They're doing mostly just... You know, the dog catcher is wasting money over here and the street sweeper is, you know, but mm -hmm. still they've they've made a great, great inroads for almost 40 years now. CJ, California, CGJA has done good work in 27 mm -hmm. counties so far. So if you look at that, number one, you can sign up to serve. And number two, if you see a crime or you know of a crime or you know that the that the sheriff is bent or two of the deputies are bent or there's a drug kingpin that's working with this other guy who owns this, you know, the furniture business in town or whatever. And you've got a, a, a uh, 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 what do you call it? A uh, presentment that you can give to the grand jury. There should be a place that you can do that and remain anonymous to do that. You, you should be able to turn in these things when, you, you know, tips. So that's the other thing that California does. So we're taking California's model and we're saying, all right, every county in the United States or county equivalent in the United States should have this ability. Every, the, the American people should always be able to do this as far as grand jury. So that's the grand jury ordinance. So in the little book, Grand Jury Awake, we have a copy of the ordinance. It's a model. You don't have to use the exact wording. You can change it up or whatever. But it's all the things that we want that we want the county to, to do. And we say, look, this is all you have to do. We want you to, so that's what we do with, with uh, Grand Jury Awake. We, we wake the people up. We show them the power that they have. Uh, like Rick was saying, we talk about uh, Scalia's 1992 uh, uh, ruling uh, in uh, U.S. versus, uh, yeah, U.S. versus Williams. Very, very mm -hmm. important ruling. Um, and Scalia is very clear in that ruling. He says, look, that the, like Rick said, it's, it's like a fourth branch. It, the, the, the grand jury is the people's own branch, and it is completely, as Scalia says, it is completely independent of the court. But it does serve in the court building if it wants to, 
and it can use the court staff if it wants to. But if the if the DA comes into the room while you're while while you're deliberating and you don't want him there, you can send him out. You know, you that that you're you're the highest uh, uh, judicial power in the county whenever you're sitting on a grand jury board. So when when you're on that panel, you're higher than the judge because you can go after the judge. If the judge is bent, you go after the judge. So anyway, it's grand jury is fascinating. And we're the last country in the world to have grand jury. England has lost their grand jury. And, and uh, uh, what's his name? Richard Younger, the, the, the uh, author of the People's Panel, he covers that. He shows, shows you how they killed the grand jury in England. And how they're trying to kill it here. So anyway, it's it's fascinating. We're the only people on earth who, when you read our constitution, it starts, we the people. So we are the sovereign. And so when you take any corporation or any kind of an organization, the first thing you have to ask is you say, who is the sovereign? Who formed this? Who is the boss of this thing? So those who say, well, it's the Vatican or it's the, it's the, you know, the Pope or the, the Queen of England or whatever. Okay, wait, 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 wait. What does the U.S. Constitution say? What is the 1789, the highest law that we have in our land? What does it say? It starts, we the people do ordain this Constitution. Okay, so if it says that, and I can show you case after case after case after case where the Supremes have said, Anything is 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 made that is that is uh, uh, repugnant to the Constitution. It is null and void. So anything else that I know that people have done horrible things all over the world, all kinds of bad people. But if they've done things that are rep- repugnant repugnant to the Constitution, and people say, "Oh, but it still applies to the American people," like hell, of course it doesn't. It can't. You can't just trump the Constitution and say, well, bad people did it. You, you don't know that they did it, but they did it. And it's still, you're, you're now, uh, you know, chattel uh, uh, owned by the, no, it, you can't do that. So anyway, we just try to show you how, take the simplest road to true, take the simplest explanation. You all have heard of Occam's razor, you know, the, 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 the explanation that requires the fewest assumptions is the most likely explanation to any conundrum. I mean, if you have a problem that, that's really hard to solve, you, you want to look for the, the solution that, has, that requires the fewest assumptions. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did, and um, it's growing like crazy. Tactical civics is now, it's just out of our hands. It's just growing. Like five or six uh, new chapter, county chapters daily and so we're we're training trainers right now. We're trying to keep up with the influx. And um, like I say, we hold 60 to 70 uh, public uh, meetings every month somewhere in the country. So it's um, the militia ordinance is the second thing that we do. Because militia, as it is currently, all of these groups, just a bunch of guys with rifles and, you know, body armor and, you know, all this stuff calling themselves militia, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not. If you look at what uh, well-regulated militia was in the history of, of early America, as Dr. Edwin Vieira says in his 2,300-page book called The Sword and Sovereignty, it is the definitive text on the history of American militia. He says, you, you know, the original militia, it was always 
not controlled, but it was always formed and legitimized by some, uh, either a colonial, uh, uh, colonial, uh, whatever you call it, fathers, whatever. It was always an elected group. It was a county, a township, a colony, a whatever. It always the people had to come together with an elected group, and they had to say, "All right, if this group of men, they've already selected their officers, but we have to, you know, legitimize everything." So they appoint the officers. So they're under some elected group. So once once your militia, what we want militias to now we're not a militia group, and we don't try to act like one. We tell. People who want to form their county militia, we say, here's a militia ordinance. And we provide that in the book, Time to Start Over America. And we say, in that book, the reason it's called Time to Start Over America is that the last 70 years have been terrible for the word militia. These guys have made it. Some of these guys look like, you know, motorcycle gang members. And they have, you know, that kind of a mouth and that kind of an attitude and all the the tattoos and things to match. And and they make it very, very difficult for the average suburban American to say, oh, yeah, I want militia. No, they're scared. They're scared of these guys. They don't know what these guys. And the other thing is, look, if any group of men can just properly arm themselves and train themselves, and maybe they're a bunch of vets that really know operational stuff. They know squad tactics. They know comms. They know all of the things that you need. But it's just them. They just set it up on their own. That's not well regulated. That is not the community has not said yes to you yet. Just Mm -hmm. you, the guys of the group are saying, yeah, well, we're going to do this. Hoorah. You know, well, yeah, but what about your neighbors? What do they think? So anyway, we do the same thing that we're doing with the the, the grand jury uh, ordinance. We're doing on the county level, a militia ordinance and saying, look, we want the community to first make this legal, make it lawful, pass an ordinance. Now, once you've passed an ordinance, now it's law. And so now, even if the, if the county commission that originally approved that, they may be under investigation by the first grand jury that sits. Who knows? So that's what we try to tell them because the militia guys say, wait a minute. No, 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 no. There's too many corrupt people. We're not going to get in bed with those people. And you know, that just goes around and around and around, circles the drain forever. So we tell them, look, you've got to go back to history. You've got to see how we used to do this. And let's go back to doing that. And maybe we can only do it with a low hanging fruit the first few years, the small towns that are, that are, you know, have solid people where, you know, if you want, what I tell people is if you walk into a, to a meeting, a county meeting room and you see a raised dais and marble walls and 19 chairs, you probably don't want to go there yet. That is going to be a completely, you know, corrupt system. But if you walk in and there's a table with five chairs, it's just a regular old table, regular old chairs. That's the kind of county commission you can deal with first round. So once we have about 100 chapter, uh, uh, tactical civics chapters who are all ready, they all have their one half of 1%. They all know what they're doing. They've all gone on radio and TV and know how to answer stuff. They're, they have their nose clean. And we have about 100 of those, coast to coast. We're going to hit them all at the same time. And we're going to push those ordinances all in the same, say, one-month period. About 100 or more. No mm-hmm. less than that. 
because if you try to do two or three and say, look, look what we did. We created a, a, a great new model. The leftists are much better than we are. And, and again, like Rick was saying, and like Greg was saying, you know, anybody who's been in this game for more than, you know, a year or two, you see the left runs circles around us all the yeah, time. Marxists, mm -hmm. that's the thing about Marxism. It's, it, Marx, they, they really know how to do stuff. And they're show, organizers. Yeah, they are. They're, they're organizers, organizers, exactly. Yeah. They're very that's well organized. And somehow they all fall together onto the same, whenever they get a project, they all glom mm -hmm. on. Unlike us, we all run around like cats, you know, and it's impossible to hurt us. We, we had a hell of a time getting to this point. At the beginning of this year, we had 188 chapters. We now have 1,070-something. Just this year, it's like you guys were saying just a few minutes ago, this year somehow it, things have really ramped up. People are mm -hmm. finally understanding that we're about to lose this forever. Mm -hmm. And once you lose this constitutional rule of law, we've lost it. You, you're not going to get it back. So we're, we're well, pretty excited. Um, we have a lot going David um, and and Rick and uh, Greg, all three. This this all boils back to an understanding of our very foundation as a nation. And so few people we we have not taught uh, really good civics or constitutional study in this country for many decades. And that's the reason that most people accept the status quo. They accept that uh, Washington, D.C. is the, the head of government in the country and uh, individuals have very few rights and all that. They accept it because we have gotten so far away from the training that's necessary to understand that from the very beginning, our nation was founded on the principles of individual liberty and that the rights of the individual are paramount to all other rights and that if we, in fact, use the system that our founders put in front of us, uh, we wouldn't even come close to the situation we're in. It's the fact that they've, they've uh, circumvented the truth for so long. Now, this is the point where we have to get back into it. Uh, may, I, um, may I much more quickly go through the last three uh, phases? Sure, sure. I'll do it more quickly than I did phases one and two. Phase three is getting 20, 27 more states to ratify the original Article the First in the Bill of Rights. There were 12, not 10. And Article the First is the longest one of the 12, and it's the only one that George Washington stood up in four months in Philadelphia, that four-month-long con-con, uh, 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 where, where Washington actually stood up to speak to the whole, you know, in plenary session. And he wanted small districts. So Article 1, Section 2, Clause 4, if you read the Constitution right now, it says 1 to 30,000. Well, that was 1 to 40,000. And uh, uh, Nathaniel Gorham, I think of Massachusetts had been pushing George Washington to uh, to to make that thirty thousand. Please be pleased. And on the last day of the convention, Washington finally stood up and he moved to have it changed from forty to thirty thousand because he thought that it was uh, too few representatives to properly uh, represent the people. And unanimously, 
the group voted uh, to change that. So that's why it says 30,000 now instead of 40. But if you go look at the original first right in the Bill of Rights, it, it anyway, we cover all of this in the book, The Great We Set. Uh, and so that that first right is sitting there. It's got 11 votes and it's open right now still under Article 5. It's the only one of the 12 that's still open for action. And there's no statute of limitations on, on, on uh, you know, Article 5 items. The, second, the original Second Amendment became our 27th Amendment, I don't know, in the 1990s, when a University of Texas student uh, went and took it around the country and got 29 more states to sign off on the original Second Amendment, which says that Congress can't give themselves a, a raise unless an election shall have intervened. Uh, before they get their raise. So that one became the 27th Amendment because one guy, one guy walked it through 29 states and got it ratified. So now we have the original First Amendment that says that uh, you can't have more than 50,000 people in a U.S. congressional district. That one needs 27 more uh, uh, yes votes. We've got hmm. 39 states who haven't looked at it yet. So we could even lose 12, 12 of the 39 states and we still get it done. So that is our, we, we call that the, uh, uh, our first right. And that's the third uh, action. W what will that do? When you look at the, the election map of the U.S., you see this huge sea of red. And the only blue places are along the coasts and, you know, the Indian area in New Mexico. And there's, you know, a couple of areas down in the south. But most of the United States is red. And some of it is very, very solidly red, but there are lots and lots and lots, 31,000 small towns. They, all of them have no voice. It's all the metro areas do all the voting. They get all the, okay, that's just the way Congress works because in yeah, 1929, they stole, they stole, they just said, we are going, they, they passed this, they, we, didn't, we never gave them this power. Dan, right. well, how did and they, David, David, that's why they're trying to get rid of the Electoral College, which is uh, one of the last things. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because wa watch how the Electoral College, Dan, this is so cool what's happening because they're falling into their own trap. In 1929, I don't know where they got the idea, but they, they passed this supposedly permanent apportionment act of 1929 saying there's only going to be 435 districts. Where did they get that from? And where did they get the power to shunt the size of the United States House, of the People's House? Where did it, it's nowhere in the Constitution is that power. Uh, when did it happen? Right at the beginning of the Great Depression, when everybody was running around just trying to find their next meal. This is what Congress always does. So mm -hmm. it's what they did with Obamacare. Anyway, it's when, when you look at what they did, we can now get back the voice of 31,000 American communities in one fell swoop. And people say, well, wait a minute, David, you're an idiot because big cities will now just get, you know, 10 times more. Well, yes, it's true. But right now the big cities have everything and the small towns have absolutely nothing. Now the small towns will get something. And I can show you on the precinct level maps, how in the big cities, there are these all of these red splotches all over the place. And so we actually gain a ton. The big cities don't gain. So anyway, it's that's coming. That's 
you know, that we call that our first right. And that, too, we can't do until we have enough. You know, we want to have all this 3,141 chapters. We want all our chapters to be large by then. So we'll have half a million or more people. They will all descend on their, on their uh, well, at least in 39 states. They'll descend on their, uh, on their uh, capitals. We will have media there. We will have all kinds of bloggers there. Anyway, it's all got to be done in, mm-hmm. in order. But that's phase three. Phase four is we'll end up after that with like 6,800 congressmen instead of 435. And people say, well, David, you really are an idiot. You really want 6,800? Well, I don't care how many there are. I care how small a district is. Because when a district gets too small and we have 6,800 congressmen, they're not going to fit on Capitol Hill. There's not enough office space. There's no room in the main house chamber. We're going to have to bring them home. We found out during COVID, one of the good things, lots of homeschoolers were created during COVID. But the other thing that happened during COVID is we found out that Congress can work very well from home if they have to. They did it for months and months. So we're going to make them work from home in a regular rental office, a, a modest office. Some congressmen today have five, six, and seven offices. Not senators, congressmen. They've got tons of offices. This is ridiculous. Why do they have so many? Well, because they have such huge districts. So anyway, when you, when you bring the district size down, now you can watch over these people. When we bring them home, cut their, their pay in half. House members' pay would be cut in half immediately because their district would be one-fifteenth as large. And they would be able to serve from home. They wouldn't have to have two, two houses, one in D.C. and all. So it's a great deal for them. If they're statesmen, mm-hmm. now, if they're politicians, they're not going to like it. They're going to fight us like hell. By the time we're doing that part, we're going to be more than half a million strong, God willing. And we're going to be very, very right now. We're getting very organized, but we're going to be a lot more organized, God willing and providing. And so you don't ever come up against these people unless you have everything buttoned up. You already know the vote before you get there and you go and you just execute. That's it. You've already got it. Behind the scenes, you've got it. We have to do just what the left does. We've never, the right has never known how to do that. Well, we have a lot of people, hundreds of people on our team, PhDs. We've got all kinds of authors, all kinds of people who they know this stuff. And -hmm. we're saying, wow, we really do have what we need. And one half of 1% is a surfeit. It's more than we need. So anyway, it's, it's very, very exciting. That's phase four. We bring them home. Once we bring Congress home, that's it. And people say, wait a minute, no president's going to sign that. No Congress is going to. Well, wait, the Congress will do that once you force the restructure, the the redistricting. Once Mm -hmm. you get that original First Amendment back and make that our 28th Amendment, now you're going to have all these new faces running for these little districts, and you're not going to have the kind of of people that that now run for, for, for office. So we wouldn't have over 11,000 uh, thumper because 1 to 50,000, not 1 to 30,000, it's 1 to 50,000 if you read the original mm-hmm. first right. Okay. So. Well, and uh, in doing that, we could uh, also eliminate the uh, influence of lobbyists and all these uh, NGOs and all exactly. these different groups that now have 
literally thousands and thousands of uh, influences in the Washington, D.C. Yeah, over, over 100,000, and most of them aren't registered. And here's the cool yeah. thing, Dan. Read Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17. What do we say there? That's where we tell, we say Congress shall have exclusive legislative jurisdiction over the 10 by 10, by 10 mile area and all such areas for forts, dockyards, arsenals, and magazines purchased mm -hmm. from the legislature. Okay, that's the only place we give them the right to. Mm -hmm. The federal government can't own land. All these U.S. possessions all over the world, they're all illegal. But mm -hmm. they still have, okay, so if we break them up and if we bring them home, now we have them under our thumb and they still have exclusive legislative jurisdiction over D.C. But they're home with us mm -hmm. on their, you know, so see, we get control over D.C. from afar. Anyway, it's when you look at it as a as a network um, and you start looking at, at the control, you know, looking at how it's going to work as a as a uh, control system or whatever, it's we really do. The people really do jump back into the driver's seat, but mm -hmm. we have to do it in a careful way so that they don't attack us too early when we're till when we're still too small. So that's why we're actually very quiet. We don't come out on on any major news and we don't intend to until we're ready okay um all right did you have uh one more that you wanted to talk about well there's the the last thing uh we we've got 18 19 other reform laws besides the bring congress home act those are all covered in the back of the book the great we set uh what we did is we took really really good the top author on all of these different areas of of life that people are have been arguing about and that conservatives have been wanting for decades mm -hmm. and we found the best book the best author the best researcher on each of these areas and said okay if you have to to uh, create a reform law to turn that around how would you do it and so we took all that we distilled that's why this has taken us over 80,000 hours and, and almost 16 years it's just a lot of work it's just mm -hmm. been a lot of work even after we knew what to do just doing it so uh, well and and that David that's exactly why I wanted to get you on this discussion but I do want to bring uh, certainly bring Rick and and Greg back into the discussion I wanted them to get a chance to know you and your program a little bit so that maybe we can start putting together the kinds of coalitions and you've done that already in many districts but uh, you know, there's a lot of people like Greg and Rick that are out there trying to do a very similar thing, but uh, they they don't know that there's this this huge uh, group yeah, of people we out there. We haven't working. gotten the word out. Well, right. we try to get the word out, but we're just we're we're so busy uh, that that we're we're not reaching out to as many as we should. The last mm -hmm. thing I wanted to mention is the indictment engine. You'll find that in our books. Uh, that is a whole other subject and it would take too long to discuss, but it's fascinating. And it's, it's essentially an AI mobile app uh, that will screen immediately when a bill is filed before it even goes to committee, when a bill state or federal bill is filed, it will go into the hopper. The AI program will, will uh, uh, analyze it, 
against the U.S. Constitution. If it busts the Constitution, it will go to that sponsor and co-sponsors state, all of their state criminal codes and find tags to get them with. And it will feed those wow. tags, those indictment tags, to the uh, grand juries in those districts. So anyway, really, really cool. Powerful. That one. That one took three years for us to develop. And a lot of attorneys, a lot of you know law profs, and all that. That's a really cool thing that I'm writing that a book is. on just that. So well, the, indi a... the indictment engine. That's a long term thing, but very cool because we will. Yeah. That way, they can't break the they can't violate the constitution or they really do get criminally indicted for it well and uh, it provides a vehicle to identify the really the unconstitutionality of all this legislation because let's face it with uh, all the states having legislatures doing all these bills you know in montana uh they start out every legislative uh session uh and end up uh, reviewing something like a thousand bills, you yeah, multiply it's, it's that yeah, across the country. It's insane, and and so we we need a tool like that. That's fascinating, um, Greg and Rick. Uh, you you listen to David's uh, discussion here. Now, one of the key parts of this is creating this legislative districts that uh, that the, the uh, congressmen or the legislators that are in these districts are serving the same function as now they're serving a million people in each state. And it brings it back to the local level. It brings it back to where their offices are in a local community and they don't have the ability to uh, ignore the local citizens. This is a, a really powerful tool. I want to. I want to see how you see that fitting it in. Will what you're not on. work, Dan. It will not work. I sit in a county right now, where the county commissioners, two of them, are liable to be nailed for money laundering on these grants that they've used. They did this in a small, populated Minnesota county. They rammed it through. The people saw it, and still half the people, when we show it to them. They can't believe it. Anything short of the grand jury at the township level, it may sail and it may walk, but I will tell you what, in the end, you're not going to escape it. You, you can't do it. If they, wanna, if they want to use the existing corporate court system to be part and parcel, you might as well write across it. Failure right now, because that's where the clause is in trouble. I don't care how many attorneys were involved. I have attorneys in my family. I can, I'm hard pressed to go in Minnesota anywhere and find a constitutional attorney that's worth his weight in salt. <clears throat> the ABA is a joke nationally. You think I'm wrong? Mm -hmm. Look at no, our justice system. You know, we have to face the fact here. We're not going to take county by counties and come along and all of a sudden whack Holly, uh, uh, DC in the rear end. We got to take them back right at the, right at the ground level. Right where Andrew Jackson said, if all of these democracies continue to function, and when he was president, he said this in Michigan, we will save our republic. That's where we're in trouble. Let me share something with you. The common law grand jury to expose all fraud and corruption, whether it's in political or judicial realm. Listen to that. It doesn't matter if it's in the political realm or the judicial realm. 
And we have as much trouble in the judicial realm today as we do in the political because you mm -hmm. can't separate those clowns anymore. And stop it. The authority of the grand jury is found only in the Bill of Rights. Therefore, it comes from God, not from government. You can't bring the corporate government court system into this grand jury system and expect to come out with something clean. You're going to get more of the same ongoing garbage we've been facing. My great-grandfather, God bless his soul, 99 years old, and I was just a little kid, he always had this funny German saying, and I never in all my life put it together until I got older and got out in the world. Grandpa used to say, well, young man, he'd say, just want to give you this advice. He says, when you get out there in the world, he used to say with his accent, you be careful, he said, of them overeducated fools. He said, they're a dangerous bunch. They all believe their own BS. He used another word. <laughs> but you know what? At 78, I look around me and I say, gosh, that old German was a lot smarter than most people thought he was. Because he's actually true. We have people running all over the place with a degree hanging out of every orifice of their body and their pocket of their suit. And they have no common sense. They have no respect for decency. Everything is about their mental struggle to gain power. They are drunk on power. They're not good leaders because they're not a George Patton. George Patton had the power, but he loved his men and his country more than he loved his own power. That's why he was successful. History, okay. well, folks, history is where it is, like it or not. And, and, and Rick, I don't think that David would disagree with that because obviously the grand jury is such an important piece of this whole, this whole idea of tactical civics. David, do you want to address what, uh, what Rick just said? No, like I said at the outset, uh, I think we'll probably agree to disagree but I think that's what makes America healthy. I think that people uh, who have good ideas and really believe what they teach, uh, it's, it's, like a, uh, uh, it's like a laboratory, and it has to remain that way. If two people don't see eye to eye on something, well, let them both go and test it and, and work hard at it. And, um, you know, our... our main thing that we say about our mission is that we are dedicated first and foremost to Jesus Christ and his crown rights. That's our, that's our main, that's our main foothold yep. on all of the work that we do. When America left, uh, we use two parts of the, the letter, Paul's letter to the church at Rome. We use chapter one and we use chapter, uh, uh, 13 of, of, uh, Romans. And when you look at those two in chapter one, he, t he shows you what Athens and Rome were doing. Uh, they had turned away from God and all of that. And he gives you 24 sins and social maladies that result from that and says, and God shall give them over. And so Paul lists all of these things that people will start doing, basically turning into animals. And that's precisely what we see now in America. Oh, you bet. Uh, just like right. ancient Rome. It, it's, it's like we're looking at the same exact thing. And then in, in 13, when, it, when he says, uh, you know, that, that you should, uh, uh, whatever, obey the, 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 uh, the, uh, the higher authorities over you because they're ordained by God, and uh, you should fear them if you're doing evil, but you want to have no fear of the authorities? Then do what's right. Okay, so 
we ask people, look, do you know who the higher authority is? And that's that, that uh, big graphic that I gave you, Dan, that you put on the top of the thing there, the big gold-colored one. Mm -hmm. And we are at the top in, in human terms. Obviously, God is above all, but we are at the top collectively, only collectively. So the people, once we know what we're doing, the people are above. And I totally agree, by the way, with Rick on in his characterization of the legal, uh, what used to be the legal profession. Now, it's, I think it's a legal industry. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's fraught with uh, fraud and, and uh, uh, shenanigans. But Anyway, when, when, when we understand that we are above the Constitution to enforce it, as we say in Article 1, Section 8, Clauses 15 and 16, well, how do we enforce it? Well, we take the pre-constitutional institutions. The grand jury is a thousand years old. That's an old institution. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. So Anglo-American law is a th over a thousand years old from 970 AD. So it's, and, and the, the militia is not that much uh, newer. It's 1014 AD, same King, King mm -hmm. Ethelred in both cases. So it's very, very old stuff. We're going back to very old, very basic stuff where people say, all right, we know that things are very bad and now we have to fix them. Okay. So the first thing you have to do is you face God, you yourself, individual now is your life is your mind is your heart straight before god or are you cheating on your wife cheating on this or that cheating your your you know your uh, person you work with or whatever and so you start having to clean up your own life first you know how do your children look at you how do you look at your children what about your brothers and sisters you know people in your church anyway so once we start re reform it just like uh the Lord says in in Second uh, uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, when when we start going back and humbling ourselves and seeking His face and turning from our wicked ways and all, first personally and then corporately as as a community and then lots of communities. Well, what do we call that? Uh, you can call it you know revival. You can call it reformation. You can whatever. It's America comes back to its original ground, which is Jesus Christ is. Lord. Now, we're the only people in the world that said that at our formation, and we can say that again if we'll have the guts to do it. And if we do it on a large enough scale, I'm sure a lot of us can have different plans as far as the details. doesn't matter. If our basis is in Christ, he's going to honor it, and we're going to see a lot of things happening that even we can't foresee. That's going to be just fascinating, just Amazing. And we'll fall on our faces. In what? Thanksgiving. And what else? Humility. You know, we'll just say, we didn't do this. Thank you, Lord. And so I, you know, we're fully expecting that. We pray every day. Somebody in our group is praying constantly all the time. And we're just, we're amazed at what God's doing in all these lives. We hear it lots of times a day. So it's happening already. So we just, we thank God. Well, David, a big part of, uh, you know, what was discussed here and what Rick said is uh, formulated around the grand jury and the well-regulated militia, uh, the local militia groups. That is uh, 
that is something that is consistent between what you were saying yeah, and what yeah, Rick we're, was we're saying. Totally, yeah, we're totally aligned. As Rick was talking, I could see where the, the alignments were and where the misalignment, but I, I think that's healthy. I think as long as, see, Rick picked exactly the old, the ancient, the, the most important structural things, which is the two institutions that are pre-constitutional, like, like Scalia said in U.S. versus Williams about the, the grand jury. The grand, we, we uh, mention the grand jury in the Constitution, but we don't uh, create it in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Same way with the militia. We mention the militia, but we don't create it. So they both pre-existed our Constitution. So those are the ones, if we're hanging together on that and we're grabbing one another's arm and pulling through the mud together on Jesus Christ is Lord, we're good. We're good. We can have all kinds of disagreements on other things. We're still going to the same place. Right. right. So, That's kind of my point there. Greg, you have asked David uh, you... one question by any chance? Can I David? Yes. What would you say if I told you I'm working on a pretty elaborate program? I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but I'm working on a program that may well take the United States clear and totally out of the oil business in two years and still have this country being the world's largest producer two or three times bigger than the rest of the world without us is right now. The oil is there. I have an engineer friend who used to be involved in the Eros Deos Center out by Sioux Falls. We know where, where it is. A lot of it's right here on South Dakota, Minnesota, Dakota, North, uh, North Dakota, and all the way down. I'm going down to Window Rock, Arizona to meet with a guy again. One of the reasons that I pushed so hard for these townships, based on that treaty in 1803, the townships will have control of their mineral rights and water rights. If you leave it at the county, they're not going to have control of it. And I tell you what, if I get done what I think I can get done, you're going to see a change in energy in this world that's going to knock people off their spikes. I already have the commitment for the finances for the test wells. So that tells you a little bit about what I'm doing, and I'm busy raising other money right now. I have people looking at venture capital. If that happens, that's going to change the United States government big time. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. Can I jump in here real quick? Yeah, Greg, I wanted to get you back in. You haven't said a thing for an hour. so Well, there was, there was very important <laughs> things being said, and I have full respect for what David was saying there, and uh, full respect, and I think people should take a, a real close look at it. The problem that I have, even with the reservation situation, the energy situation, we have to get boots on the ground today. We are losing our schools, particularly in Minnesota, but all the blue states are facing the same thing. And as you see now, Dan, that's moving into Montana, we literally need people to at the township or the municipal level, because many of our counties have locked out to us in these blue states. We have no recourse left, but to take it back to the parents in case of the schools, the citizen in case of everything else. And so most of what you're talking about is so far in the future. We may not even have a country by then at the rate things are going. But we, the man that I think would agree with me, and I can't prove it because I haven't talked to him, Matt Trujillo, and he wrote the book on uh, Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates. And he shows us throughout the whole book where many times in history, the most basic level 
of responsibility, the citizens or a, a lesser magistrate has just stood up and said, no, we're just not going to do it. And this is where we're at in Minnesota. This is where they're at in Michigan. This is where they're almost, they're going to be at in Wisconsin very soon because they just lost their Supreme Court. Uh, they were always kind of right on the border. They're going to be a real tough shape now. And so I, I don't know if you guys really understand how serious a situation we're in right now. But no, as I we are so. teaching our children in our schools, so we're begging, and, and we tried alternative schools. It works somewhat. Yours is an alternative school there in Manhattan, and you're having problems. But at the town, see, we already have organized government at the township level and small municipalities. We already have the ability to immediately start putting these in, things into effect. Long term, we should be working with David here. We, In fact, Absolutely. in the meantime, we should have people training with him and learning his stuff. But what we're pushing for is right now, today. What can you do? No, you don't have time to go train about what David's talking about. You only have time to learn how to immediately start setting things in place at the township level, convincing your township board and other members of your immediate community. Because, sir, that's where we're at. We are literally on fire right now. Well, and Greg, I'd agree with that. But the thing is, I think because of the nature of Americans and the fact that we've had it so easy so long, uh, I think Americans had to catch on fire. We had to get to the point we're at right now to get people to wake up. And like I say, I think about a year and a half ago, I, I felt a sea change. And it, it uh, really happened during the COVID lockdown thing. People finally started to wake up to the reality that we're living in a police state. We are living in... A, a country now where a handful of people, and they don't even have to be elected people, uh, can determine what everybody in the country has to do. That is not the America of our founding. And I think it had to get to the point that it's at right now to get people to wake up. But I also don't think that tactical civics is uh, something that's going to take a tremendous amount of uh, effort to get it to, in work, to get it to play, to get it to actually start functioning. And I think that's why, as David said, they went from a hundred and some, uh, you know, municipalities that were working with them a year ago to well over a thousand now. I think. Well, but I think, well I think I think what, what Greg and Rick are talking about is a different thing, though. That what they're saying is the county level in many cases, just won't work. Mm -hmm. And see, that's that's one thing. I totally agree. There, There's going to have to be different, different strokes for different folks. As you go across this country, from state to state, you have really, really different legal systems. Because when you start reading their statutes on things like grand jury, you see, wow, look at the difference between Wyoming and Iowa. Well, yeah. So, a lot of times you can't approach the county. I totally agree with that. So mm -hmm. what we've said is we're only going to start with low-hanging fruit. So, Greg, what you just said is perfect, I think. And, and again, I think both you and Rick are on this. Well, obviously, Rick, this last thing you mentioned is, a, is huge. It just kind of trumps a lot of other things. But uh, the, the whole energy thing. I grew up in the oil patch of Texas, so when they started finding the Eagleford Shale and stuff like the Bakken up there, uh, it changes everything. But um, it, yeah. So sometimes 
our our method, what we're doing with tactical civics and coming at the, at the county level is not going to work. It's just not going to work. And so people who, who need to do something right now because it's their life, it's their future right now, right now. Hey, I, that's why I say, look, as long as we we understand, we know one another's working at it, we can pray for one another, we can do, you know, I talked to Matt years ago, Matt Trewella years ago, uh, and Doug Wilson, they were both talking about this doctrine of the lesser magistrate. And I went through it with them and I said, look, guys, watch, watch. Who is the, the greatest magistrate of all, you know, in, in human terms, uh, in our, you know, you're talking about backing up and taking a lower magistrate to go take on the, the higher magistrate. We're the highest magistrate of all. We are, read the Constitution. It, you, you guys are backing into a corner that you're not going to be able to get out of once you give the ground. We also show, look, look at the sheriff. Look at the history of the Shire Reeve. Go back in history, see what the sheriff used to be. They still are the tax collector type of thing. If you don't pay your school district taxes, who sells your house on the courthouse steps? The sheriff. Okay, why, why are these things still happening? Well, the sheriff can't get out of it. That, he's tasked to do that. You ask most sheriffs who call themselves constitutional sheriffs, even though the word sheriff is never mentioned in the U.S. Constitution, but they call themselves that. Well, they can't be constitutional sheriffs because they have to take your home or your farm or whatever because you didn't pay your taxes. And that's what the county government's telling them to do, so that's what they do. Show up at the courthouse, bang the gavel, and sell your home, and you cry. And so we, we, we say, look, if you're, if you're going to look at the lesser magistrate in terms of 16th century and 15th century German law, well, then, heck, man, you know, we're not, it, it's like people who say, well, render unto Caesar when they're talking Romans 13. And we say, we don't have Caesars. We're the, we're the sovereign over the highest law that we have right now. Collectively, we're the sovereign. So we're not acting like it. We're not like, uh, uh, what's his name? Carlo Cipolla in his book, uh, the, the Basic Laws of Human Stupidity. Great book, by the way. <laughs> uh, he, he, and it, it sounds like a joke book, but it's not. He's, mm. he's serious. He shows you that there's far more stupid people than we ever thought there were. Mm -hmm. Stupidity is, is independent of anything else. You can be rich and stupid. You can be very well educated and stupid. <laughs> like like what Rick was saying. You know, you can have guys with nine degrees, <laughs> advanced degrees, and you ask them simple stuff about basic, and they don't know. <laughs> you know and, um, and not only that, David, but it's contagious. <laughs> well, no, but what Chipola says is that there's so many in all ages. He says it doesn't matter what country you go to. You you know, stupidity is the is the is the uh, default setting for most people. Well, go to scripture. You see it there. Go to uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he was in prison, right before he was hung, hanged by, by uh, Hitler. Uh, Bonhoeffer wrote in a letter uh, called 10 years, 10 years After, I think it's called. Anyway, in that letter, he wrote that stupid people are far more dangerous than evil people. And that's why Bonhoeffer said, we refuse to deal with stupid people. They're dangerous. Anyway, mm -hmm. so when you understand that in all times, all places, most people, it, 
I don't mean to sound like an idiot saying this or like, you know, narcissist or something like I think I'm so smart. I'm just saying it that's the most people really are. Yeah, Stu- that's the default. Can I, say, can I add real quick, Dan? <laughs> can I interrupt? This yeah, will sure. only take a couple of minutes. The reason that we are so hell bent on simplifying, we've already gone to our townships with a little bit bigger overview than what I just gave you. And it was difficult for them. Some didn't want into this. Some didn't want to buy into that. They each have their own individual way they want to approach it. And that's fine. So Rick and I are continually simplifying this process. Right now we're leaning on the constable. We're saying, hey, if you just put a constable in place, you can start getting some of this stuff done. My particular township is, is considering this right now. We have to continually simplify it to take it back to the basic man and woman who's never been educated in these areas that you're talking about may never be. Uh, and they, what they're worried about is their farm and their children. And so we are continually simplifying it and bringing it back to the basics. So if it sounds like I'm uh, trying to criticize what you're doing at the lower, higher level, absolutely not. But I'm trying to make this clear that most citizens need it as absolutely simple and short as possible. Amen. And let them build on that. I totally so that's agree. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I think we all agree with that. And one of the things that's come out of this discussion is that even though there's some very basic premises that are behind what we're talking about that we need to resort back to, there is not one standard answer that one size fits all. It's not going to work that way. It's going to take an, an effort by many people through many different efforts to make this work. But what I'm trying to do here is bring together people who have very much the same agenda, the same ultimate purpose, and try to figure out how we can make all this work together. You know, I agree, Dan. And you know what I see this as? When, as I was listening to Rick, as I was listening to Greg, I'm thinking, you know, when, when you look at these national unions that are created to train and organize, let's say, teachers, mm-hmm. school boards, superintendents, mayors, city councils, county commissions, county attorneys, state legislatures, governors, judges. There's there's a, a union for every one of them. For every one of the, the uh, groups I just mentioned, there's a union that's got newsletters, magazines, websites, blogs, handbooks. You know, they hold conferences, all of that. They teach all of these predators and all of these parasites how to feed on us. Exactly. How to feed on productive America. And productive America, we're just paying the bills, man. We're just raising the next crop. We're just trying to keep the next, you know, crop of lambs from dying. We're trying to do this or that. I grew up on a ranch. I mean, you know, it, it's, there's stuff to do. You can't just, you know, do brainiac stuff all day long. <laughs> there's work. You got to do the chores. And that's why I always say that's what we call it, doing the chores in our, in our mission. So, we're like you guys and, and us, we're like a couple of these different unions for the people. We're mm-hmm. now showing the people how to fight back. We need a dozen like us. We need a dozen different groups taking different, uh, you know, best practices from here and there and saying, you know what? Hey, 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 guys, look what we found. Look what works best. And pretty soon you've got thousands and then tens of thousands of people sharing ideas. And hey, at least we're all playing for the same God. 
We're all holding up the same God, which is how America got started. We came over here. It was, yeah, it was a hassle. Yeah, it was a mess. It was a lot of work. A lot of people died. Everything was a hazard. But look what we were able to do as Americans. It was an amazing thing. And that's what we're trying to save. And so God bless you guys. It's, it's, it's really nice to be included in groups like this and be able to talk amongst ourselves and say, look, these are amazing things that we're doing. And it's, it's wonderful that we're able to do them. Mm -hmm. Try going to Europe and do what we're doing right now. Try going to Central <laughs> or South America or Mexico. Try going to Canada. Okay. Just try it up in Canada. See how far you get. Australia even. You know, England even. Mm -hmm. Never happened. The only place on earth that this can happen. So I say. It's right here. Amen. God bless you guys. This is great. I love it. Amen. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you very much for inviting me. I really. Uh, well, I, you know, this is the it. kind of discussion that we need to have. You said something very important. And, and I want this, our listeners to think about this. The, the left can agree on 15% and disagree on 85%. And somehow they are so well organized and, and such uh, uh, intellects in pulling together uh, power and consolidating power that they, they can disagree on 85%, agree on 15%, and they will get together to get the 15% pushed through. Conservatives, on the other hand, can agree on 85% and disagree on 15%, and all we want to do is squabble over the 15% that we disagree on. We need to take a lesson from Saul Alinsky and understand that our power is in cooperating on the things that are important, and don't beat yourself to death over the things that are unimportant. Amen. Amen. Wow, I didn't expect to shut everybody up that much. Uh, Rick, do, do you? Uh, I know you're. I know exactly what you're talking about because, you know, you're talking about the educated idiots that have literally taken over all of our institutions. You know, it goes back to the Frankfurt School. It goes back actually, uh, well before that, with Horace Mann and. Uh, the education systems uh, started to be uh, perverted clear back in the early 1800s. But the fact is, is that we have always acquiesced to so-called uh, intellectuals, and that's been a serious mistake. We have gotten away from the fact that we have so many good, solid citizens who earn their degree in the school of hard knocks and know exactly what common sense says. And nine times out of 10, common sense will trump intellectual superiority from some kind of a degreed institution, uh, 10 to one. Yeah, it's really interesting too, Dan. You know, I always like to tell people, I had a, a great uncle that disliked my father who was in the army air force dropping bombs on Germany. Our people come from Germany. They had a big family gathering because one of the, the cousins was coming from Germany to dinner. At, and it was all going to be at my grandmother's house on my mother's side. And after dinner, we're all sitting on the porch, my cousins and I and all the men on, on the big sun porch. My dad was one of the last guys that came through the front door. 
and Uncle Henry leaned over and said something to his relative, and I don't re know what it was for sure, his relative jumped up, never been in this country before, came from Germany, this is in the 50s, put his hand on Uncle Henry's shoulder and said, Henry, you can't blame Marie's problem for what happened to us. We could have stopped that at any time before it got to where it was. He was talking about Nazi Germany. That's something we all need to keep in mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we talked about that as kids. I uh, That was a discussion we had, and I'm pretty close to the same age as you. Yeah. Uh, we had that discussion. How in the world could uh, Nazi Germany get to the point that they were with that many intelligent citizens? How did they allow this to happen? And they allowed it to happen the same way we're, we have allowed our country to be controlled. And what it boils down to is everybody's always looking for the easy answer. They want somebody else to do the thinking for right. them. And they assume right. that because somebody has uh, a vast uh, degree, a number of degrees in a certain subject, that somehow they're better at uh, understanding things than we are. Common sense trumps uh, well, and their churches, Dan, their churches did not stand up to that evil that was going on. We no. see that today. Our churches are busy trying to, to do rock and roll bands and this and that. Mm -hmm. I, You know, when I used to leave that German Lutheran church, I would just knew that if I had some thought about my little girlfriend, our neighbor, Patty Kopesky, I thought I was going to hell because I wasn't supposed to think like that. Mm -hmm. That's the way that preacher left mm -hmm. it. And you know what? We've lost that in our churches. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, David. Uh, uh, this is just such a good discussion. How can we... Uh, I want you guys to coordinate with one another because there's so much uh, cross-pollination that, that's available in uh, what you're doing. You're all doing the same thing in a slightly different way but with the same ultimate goal. And that's where we need to be that, uh, take that lesson from the liberals and uh, let's work together on the stuff we agree on. Can I say something real quick? Sure. What, the, way I, the way I would envision it after this program today, I'll just take my township for an example, our township. I think a percentage of the people should be working directly with David and his organization working toward that long-range goal. I do think that the vast majority need to get directly involved with taking back their township, helping out their township board. But I really do feel that there's a huge, that a percentage of the people in each township should be working directly with David's group here. Mm -hmm. I agree. But you need both the long-range and the short-range. David, did you want to respond to that? Thank you. <laughs> what can I say? It's very, very gracious of you, Greg. Uh, it's not my group. Uh, I mean, I, I was the original founder, my brother Oscar and I, but um, we gave that up a long time ago. We have a, a group of leaders, a CEO and others uh, who run it. And so I just write books and articles and try to speak when I'm asked to speak. And that's about all I do anymore. Uh, so we would, we would be happy to take anyone who wants to learn. You can, what you can do, you can go to tacticalcivics.com. You 
click on the red button, big red button where it says join now and you pay $5 and you join for one month. Don't, don't pay $50 and join for a year. Just pay $5 and join for a month. Then you go to the books section over on the menu on the left-hand side and you go down to where it says books and books and uh, publications or something. And you click on the books and then go to every one of our books, PDFs, and download them all. And get all of that for $5. <laughs> I tell people how to cheat. I say, look, join us for one month. Go read all the articles until you get angry. And if you just say, oh, these guys are idiots, well, then, okay, don't, don't do any more. But if you want to at least download all the books, get all of our books, you get, you know, whatever, $100 worth of stuff for 5 bucks. And then if you don't want to stay more than a month, that's okay. You, you tried. You looked at it. If We'd never want to sell anything to anyone. We don't push anything on anyone. What we're looking for is God's remnant. If God is, if, if he's working on somebody's brain and they're already thinking that this is what they've been looking for, we hear this every day, several times a day. People come and say, this is exactly, exactly what I've been looking That, those are the ones we're looking for. We don't want to sell, we don't want to push on anybody. We want people to look at what we're doing. If you like it, if you agree with it, if you want to do it, then those are the people we want. That way, we know that we're always staying in God's lane and not building our own lane or trying to get real big and real fancy and real. No, we don't want any of that. We don't want any kind of celebrity stuff. We don't any, you know, when, whenever I'm invited to go to these big shindig things that they have, these national, you know, be a speaker, I always say no. I do come out on these, you know, just regular podcasts with people, but that's it. We're, we're not trying to sell or push. We're trying to go at whatever rate God wants us to go. If it's the right thing for you to do, then do it. If you feel odd about it or strange or you disagree with it, don't do it. Could we, you, could we add your link? Your, the, your website link to our website, you probably want to look at it first in case there's some wild things in there that you wouldn't approve of. But I'd like to add your link as a reference for people that have the bigger picture, that that's their goal is the bigger picture. Could I, Would that be possible to do of that? Of course, of course. Yeah. Like I say, we, we thank you for that. We're just, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're working on our particular track because America, again, trust owns the the brand and owns tactical civic it's the operating it's the action mission of america again trust the reason we created a trust was after we die we, we need to know that it's going to keep going and that it's going to only do what's in the trust deed and so it wouldn't turn weird like all of the christian mm -hmm. colleges like and the universities. foundation <laughs> like all yeah like every yeah. You look at every college, every Christian day school in America, all of that. They all they all started Christian. Now look at them. So yeah. like you've been saying, Dan, this past week as you've been writing. Uh, so what we say is um, we can only do what's in our trust deed. So you go read the America Again Declaration. Do you agree with it? If you don't, then don't join us because then you're going to be angry at us or you're going to say, hey, these guys are weird. Don't join what you don't agree with. You have to feel good. You have to say, okay, this, this is exactly what, what I've already thought. This is great. I want to do this. Great. Then we want you. So that's all we say. Just, you know, anyone who wants to tell others about us, that's great. That's wonderful. But we're not 
trying to sell anything. Well, and that's the important part of this is understanding. Greg, you're right. This is urgent. This is very urgent. But at the same time, uh, if, if somebody's done all this, uh, all this preparatory homework that helps get from A to B quicker, that's what we need to be working with. Because obviously, uh, you know, it, it, part of the problem we have is it is like herding cats and, and a lot of cats that don't have a clue uh, which direction they want to go. That's why we need to uh, uh, coordinate ourselves with groups like Tactical Civics and your group, uh, certainly. All right. Okay. Listen, I enjoyed this, gentlemen. Thank you much, Dan. It's been very great. And I want to say to, to Mike, uh, that David, it is that was a that was a very nice presentation you made. I had a little bit of a misconception about your organization based on their appearance out here and what the feedback was. They they came to me and said, "Well, your township idea is not going to work because they showed us how a county idea was going to work." And I said to them, "I said, well, then you ought to get it done." Well, they've been playing around here in McLeod County, and guess what? Now they found out that this new lawyer that the county hired that's supposed to be constitutional, he's not going to back them up on trying to clean up this uh, money laundering mess. So the whole thing is what we're doing is a little bit different, but it's all in the same vein. It's all got the same direction. I just see it that the township, the, the, the way to get the quickest control is at the township level because you don't need to pull the full county in. I guarantee you. If you got one-fourth of the townships in a county and it was working, the rest of it would come. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to take, it's going to take uh, the, the knowledge that one size does not fit all. We're going to have to piece a whole bunch of different uh, programs together, but definitely we need to be working off each other's strengths. There's no question about that. Amen. And we have to get the people more involved. I mean, Mm -hmm. My father, a, a cattle rancher, man, this guy was involved in the school from every step of the way. The first time they sent homework home, my dad marched in there the next morning. He said, Bestel, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Get your coveralls on and get on the bus and come home and do this boy's chores if you want him to do homework. Homework went away. But you see, the parents were involved then, and they're not now. And now they're busy trying to protect the sports because they like that more than the academia. If we just taught the basics to the children, reading, writing, ar arithmetic, if we, if we just taught the basics, even if the sports got lost, how many kids actually go out and use that sports training? Is it fun? Is it a great time? Is it is it very social? Absolutely. But where should our effort be? That's true. Yeah. Well, obviously... Our effort should be in saving our country, and that's a, a pretty noble cause, but it, we, we can't do it without people like you uh, talking about this subject. This is why, and, and I told Greg this, this uh, yesterday when we were speaking, uh, what I like to do is set these programs up so that they can become an archive for people to go back to, and uh, you can send this to whatever groups you want to, uh, you know, get this information too, and it advances the overall cause. Yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, you know, we, we have a 
we have a, a major chore ahead of us. I don't care what group you are, because the, the clock is ticking. You know, again, I'm going to tell you, I'm a 78-year-old old guy. I spent two years in the Air Force. As an Air Force police officer, I was <clears throat> stationed in Saigon at the headquarters. And I'm going to tell you something. We, the people in this country, once we let those people that ran away to Canada and got their master's degrees and their bachelor's degrees, we gave them amnesty and they came back and the college gobbled them up. This education system has gone on full tilt, full bore around the racetrack with the pedal to the floor. That's where it started. The Bill Ayers that trained Obama, those people are rotten to the core. They are Satanists. And if you're trying to figure out a way to love them and save them, good luck. Yeah, yeah. well, that's right. Uh, it's pretty obvious. Incidentally, I have to tell you, Rick, it's funny, but I've got a good friend by the name of Matthew Cummings. He's a very, very large, uh, very large Pentecostal minister who uh, was living in Detroit. His mother had him uh, in, in Detroit, uh, put him in a school system called the New School. And the New School, the principal was Bill Ayers, and his, uh, his first grade teacher was uh, uh, Jeanette Aiken. Uh, or uh, not Janetta, anyway, uh, the lady who made bombs for the uh, Weather Underground. Uh, his mother, uh, he came home from his first day at school, and his mother said, what did you learn today? And Matthew said, I learned that I don't have to listen to anything you say, and she slapped him clear across the room. And needless to say, he is a very, very outspoken anti-communist right now. So, uh, there's funny stories on all this stuff. So, well, uh, I hate to say it, but we're just about out of time. But uh, David, can you very quickly give our listeners uh, your website, and then I'll do the same with Greg and uh, and also with Rick. Yes, Mine's on Greg's. It's tacticalcivics.com. Okay, pretty simple. Tacticalcivics.com. Take uh, <laughs> take David up on his offer. $5, join for a month and go take a look at all the writing, all the books that are available. And uh, uh, take him up on that offer. See what, uh, what a great value you can get. Read those books, and then when you're done, I think you might want to be a more permanent member. And, think, give, and give the books away. Give the books away. You know, just the one book, uh, The Great We Set, obviously I wrote that one, but for people who are really, really tired of paying taxes and they want to know, is this guy for real? Look, download a tax honesty primer. It's a small book, about 100 pages, and read it and see if I'm crazy. And that one might be worth your while. But the one that's really worth your while is the People's Panel, the reprint book by Richard D. Younger, who is now dead. I mean, he died years ago, but it's a fascinating book. 300 years of history of the grand jury in America. What we the people did and have done against bad judges, bad legislators, organized crime, mayors, crooked mayors. I mean fascinating stories so and all of that you can get for 
five bucks and then five bucks. give them away. Give them away to every. We're not trying to make money. We're trying to get stuff out. And you know, if you agree with it, if you like it, give it. You know, give copies to people. Thank you very much. Okay, good. Well, thank you. And uh, this has been a very worthwhile discussion. Uh, Greg, again, send people to your website and uh, tell them how they can uh, start working with you. I'll, I'll say it fairly slow because it's easy to mispronounce. Save your cities, plural, dot com. Save your cities dot com. And right, uh, the, the main page, the site, the bottom half of it explains what we're doing with the common law. It's got phone numbers for both Rick and I on there. Uh, and it's very easy to understand. Take a look at it. Right, We've got all the most basics right at the top. For, so they won't have to weed through all these decisions by whoever. The most simplest stuff is right at the top where you can easily view it. And from there, the more you want to read is farther down the page. And like I said, I'd really like to attach uh, um, uh, David's link to that also, because it's there'll be, like I said, there'll be a percentage, a small percentage of people in each area that are going to want to immediately take on, learn the, the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what this is all about. Let's face it, uh, we, we know stupidity is contagious, but uh, also redemption is contagious as well. So let's go that direction. That's good. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you. I appreciate this great discussion and uh, look forward to uh, further discussions down the road. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, oh, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, New York to L.A., where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. There ain't no doubt.